It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 136. And we're going to begin with an old song that I've rediscovered, um, been listening to it a lot recently, and it fits the theme of this week's Quantum extremely well. That's, of course, the Cranberries, a zombie, a song that was written about the uh, situation in Northern Ireland and a desire for peace. And I thought of it because of Joe Biden bombing Syria 36 days in power, and he's already started bombing the Middle East. Now, it could be there's a good reason for it, but it just seems such an old story. At least 22 people were killed. It, was, it used to be said that to be noticed as an American president, you need to bomb another country. Um, the attack was on Iranian-backed militia in Syria. Syria, a separate country, a sovereign country. And the American president bombed. Now, I think if Trump had done this, there would have been a lot of complaints. But because it's Biden doing it, and he's got the most diverse cabinet in history, the most diverse cabinet to bomb the Middle East. Who cares? Well, I care. I, I dread, dread what else is going to happen with his overseas policy. But let's stay in the Middle East and let's hear some news of the Pope. Through the three days that Pope Francis will visit Iraq, he will contact people only in the mass that will happen in Erbil. So the biggest event through this visit will be in Erbil. So it's very blessed for us. We ask the people to come to help us to clean the church. And from the morning early, many people they came and they start cleaning the church. We really hope that this visit will do something for Christians in Iraq. You know that we suffered a lot, those who emigrated and those who were exiled. So we hope that after the Pope's visit, the situation of Christians will improve. The Pope is going to the Middle East, to to Iraq, to Erbil. Uh, as this podcast is put out, he should be there. Uh, is that a good thing? Well, in some ways, yes. Although the number of Christians in Iraq has dropped from, uh, at least nominal Christians, has dropped from half a million to something less than 50,000. So what's... I don't know, I, you can sense there's some degree of hesitancy in my voice. I, Yeah, I have a lot of issues. Um, this is the same Pope who, when faced with the question of Islamic terrorism and Islamic violence, said, well, we've got Catholic violence too, and put them as equivalent. 
I don't know. And it's the same Pope who cut a deal with the Chinese government, which has just been reneged on. And as a result, priests and bishops in China now have to swear loyalty to the Communist Party and not allow interference from any other regime or any outside interference. I don't know. I, I, I struggle with this Pope a lot, and I'm not sure his visit to Iraq will do any good. And I can tell you that Americans bombing Iranians in Syria is not going to do the Christians any good either. All right, let's shift gear. Um, how are you all for K-pop? Here's some. K-pop is probably the biggest music phenomena at the moment. It's Korean pop. And uh, this particular band, Blackpink, and others as well, have literally billions of views on YouTube. Me? I hate it. Uh, it's cheap, it's banal, it's pathetic in lots and lots of different ways, and I really, really, really... Oh, However, the, the reason I, I play it for you there is... it's. I think it was the BBC reporting with almost excited, just... This is the most wonderful thing, that Blackpink are putting out a message in seeking to support action on climate change. Now, that's a very, very interesting thing in lots of ways. First of all, it, it seems as though we need pop stars to tell us how we ought to treat the planet. That, that's what some people think. And secondly, we have a, an issue, I think, with, I don't know, hypocrisy. Because K-pop come from that whole South Korean materialist thing. And I guess if... Blackpink uh, are going to give up on air travel, going to give up on materialism, not going to buy themselves fancy cars or anything like that, then perhaps we should listen to them. But they're not experts on climate change. Why should anyone listen to them? We just have such a daft way of doing politics. All right, here's, let, let's go to the United States and a little bit of the exchange between Rand Paul and Rachel Levine. Rachel Levine, who is appointed as the Assistant Secretary for Health, and she's the first transgender official in the Biden government. Dr. Levine, you have supported both allowing minors to be given hormone blockers to prevent them from going through puberty, as well as surgical destruction of a minor's genitalia. Like surgical mutilation, hormonal interruption of puberty can permanently alter and prevent secondary sexual characteristics. The American College of Pediatricians reports that 80 to 95% of prepubertal children with gender dysphoria will experience resolution by late adolescence if not exposed to medical intervention and social affirmation. Dr. Levine, do you believe that minors are capable of making such a life-changing decision as changing one's sex? 
Well, Senator, thank you for your interest in this question. Um, transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field um, with robust research and uh, standards of care that have been developed. And if I am fortunate enough to be confirmed as the Assistant Secretary of Health, I will look forward to working with you and your office and coming to your office and discussing the particulars of the standards of care for transgender yeah, medicine. The specific question was about my Now, what was astounding about that was her absolute refusal, her absolute refusal. She was asked the question several times and just simply said, that transgender medicine is complex. Actually, it's not. It's not that complex. And when you're talking about cutting off children's breasts, when you're talking about genital mutilation, do you know, normally when you say those words, people would say it's such a bad thing. Oh, but no, this is complex transgender medicine. Yeah. And staying with the states and staying with politics in the states, uh, here's a, a little exchange between Republican Greg Stoibe, I think is how you say his name, and Democrat Jerry Nadler. And this bill speaks directly against what is laid out in Scripture. Our government, through this bill, is going to redefine what a woman is and what a man is. It can be anyone who identifies in that gender. Mr. Stoibe, what any religious tradition ascribes as God's will is no concern of this Congress. Now... I'm not convinced that Stoibe did the wisest thing in citing from Deuteronomy. However, it was Nadler's comment that was really quite, just quite extraordinary. God's will is no concern of Congress. Wow. Just wow. So on what basis is Congress making its laws? On what ethos? On what philosophy? All of this is tied in with the Equality Act. Um, you know, God's law, for example, says that men and women are all created equal in the eyes of God. Is that not the business of Congress? Where do we get our values from? Now, the Equality Act, what, what that's doing is, of course, it's not equality. And it is privileging certain groups. And not least, it sets up this impossible contradiction between the gender identity, which is how you feel, and the biological identity of sex, of a woman. And how do these two things go together? Now, both radical left-wing feminist groups and right-wing groups, have conservative groups, are pointing out the same contradiction. But when this Equality Act is passed, it's going to be extremely difficult for many in the United States. And then this also in the United States. And I found this to be really, really sad um, concerning adoption. Bethany Christian Services have now said that they will offer LGBT adoption. They, they, re they refused to do so before. We will now offer services with the love and compassion of Jesus to the many types of families who exist in our world today, as Paluski said. We're taking an all-hands-on-deck approach where all are welcome. Russell Moore, Baptist pastor, has opposed this and rightly said, the need is great for distinctively Christian adoption and foster care services, including that children need both mothers and fathers. Moreover, this move will harm already existing efforts to enable faith-based orphan care ministries to serve the, the vulnerable without capitulating on core Christian convictions. 
And I wonder, you know, Bethany Christian service. Sounds good, doesn't it? It's a nice sound bell. We're going to offer the love and compassion of Jesus to the many types of families who exist in our world today. What about throuples? There's a story in the New York Post of three men who have made history by all being designated as dads on a birth certificate. So a child has no mother but three dads. This has cost them, uh, three men who live together, uh, this cost them more than $120,000 in contracts and tests and so on. So this is, you know, this is a rich man's thing. They've hired, of course, a womb. They've hired a woman uh, to do this because we still can't do this without women, although the way that they're trying to do things, who knows? But I wonder what Bethany would say about that, you know, this is one of the many types of families who exist in our world today. Do they support that? Why can't we have Christian adoption agencies that adopt Christian standards? I've told you this story before, but it's worth repeating because it's so stunning. Bernardo's once phoned me up and asked if I'd be willing to support an adoption campaign in the city of Dundee. I said, absolutely. There were things about Bernardo's, which did start off as a Christian charity, but has long moved away from that, that I didn't like, but... Adoption is an important thing and we're happy to support it. A week later, they phoned me, or at least one of them phoned me, deeply embarrassed. David, I'm really, really sorry. We are we, we can't use you. We don't want you to, to be part of this publicity campaign. And I said, why? And they said, well, because of your views about same-sex marriage. So I asked them, I said, are you telling me that Bernardo's ideology is so strong that they are prepared to let children go without adoptive parents by refusing to even let somebody who disagrees with them but was prepared to put their case, that you're saying no. And she said yes. And I said, that's ideology to the extreme. And she said yes. And she was deeply apologetic. But that's the route you're heading. All right, I was going to try and not do this at all, but here's a clip of Salmond and Sturgeon. Well, a clip of Nicola Sturgeon. To this day, I don't know the identity of every single complainer in the criminal trial. Some of those whose identities I do know, I don't know them well. Um, and to the best of my knowledge, they don't all know each other well. The idea that this was some concoction or plot is... It's just not based in any semblance of fact or any semblance of credible evidence. Now, I'm not going to go over the whole case again. Uh, Salmond is not on trial on this one. He was on trial and found innocent, although as has often been pointed out and as Nicola Sturgeon pointed out, there were things he did that were bad. He, Alex Salmond's a bad man and she made that very clear. But I played that one because that illustrates to me one of the real problems in this case. She presented evidence for eight hours, kept saying, I don't recall, I don't recall, I don't recall. But here she is under oath stay, stating that she doesn't even know who all the complainers are. Now, I know that lots of people know who all the complainers are. The guy who runs Wings Over Scotland, Craig Murray, all the journalists who covered the trial. I'm assuming they're editors as well. I'm assuming most of the politicians do as well. 
most of the lawyers. It is possible that Sturgeon is telling the truth and she's been kept completely out of the loop. Possible. But who knows? And that's part of the problem because this inquiry, people have responded to it according to how they, um, what their politics are. I, I personally think both Salmond and Sturgeon, the words parcel of rogues best sums it up as we used last week. Were you silent or were you silenced? I just want to make it clear to everybody, there is no subject that's off limits. Almost unsurvivable. Sounds like there was a breaking point. My biggest concern was history repeating itself. You've said some pretty shocking things here. Wait, hold, hold up, wait a minute. Okay, that is uh, Meghan and Harry, uh, Oprah. Uh, they're going on Oprah. Now, what stuns me about this is that Harry and Meghan are asking for press privacy. And this is just classic hypocrisy. Whilst doing an Oprah interview, whilst pushing their Instagram account, whilst setting up their own podcast and TV shows. In other words... They are putting themselves forward as media stars and then asking the media to leave them alone. If they'd retired to a quiet, quiet life, I'd have a lot of sympathy. But what they really mean is they want media attention, but only on their own terms. Mad World, here's Penny Mordant, government minister. Trans men are men, trans women are women and great care has been taken in the drafting of uh, and the accepting of these amendments to ensure that that message it has been got across. Section 212 of the Equality Act 2010 says man means a male of any age, woman means a female of any age, but not according to Penny Morden. She's a government minister is ignoring her own legislation. I'm sorry, but a trans man is not a man. A trans man is a woman who wants to be a man, a trans woman. You know, the, you know the score, you know the deal. What is happening here is that especially women's sex-based rights are being removed. Language is just really, really important. Those rights are becoming meaningless, as we saw in the United States. Now, there's also a fascinating case down here in Australia. There's a woman called... Holly Lawford-Smith of the University of Melbourne. She's a political philosopher and she founded a website called noconflictthesaid.org. She states this, I think it's outrageous that these changes are being introduced and people aren't even acknowledging the possibility of a conflict of interest. No governments are gathering data on this. There's no place in the world for people to report where creepy things are happening in women's bathrooms or women's changing rooms or rape support groups. I'd prefer the data, but in lieu of that, we can at least have the stories. Now, here's the thing. Students at the university are campaigning to have her silenced or removed. And this is rather pathetic. An open letter penned by at least 100 academics at the University of Melbourne and has thousands of signatures. Attacks her, says her website is a, a right for promoting misinformation about trans people. Her role in the creation of a feminist module at the university is also being questioned.
Anyway, it's not all mad. Black Lives Matter. Here's uh, Wilfred Zaha, the one of the star players of Crystal Palace himself, um, a black man, saying why he won't bow the knee. It's becoming like, something that we we just do now, you know. Like, that, and that's not that's not enough for me. I'm not going to take the knee. I'm not going to wear Black Lives Matter on the back of my because it feels like it's a target. Yeah. We're isolating ourselves. We're trying to say we're equal. But we're isolating ourselves with these things that are not even working anyway. All right, I heard a little bit of sad news. Uh, this man here. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. The grace of God. See, it's a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. The good news is the grace of God. That's Louis Palau, 1984 in London in the QPR ground. Louis Palau is... A stadium evangelist. Um, I heard him. I heard him in the tiny Highland village of Lairg when I was a teenager. And we hire. I'll tell you the story one day. But at the moment, I, all I'll say is this: a group of us teenagers hired a bus and went to that rally. And the the whole bus went forward. And many people I know are still following the Lord just now. It was my first introduction to counseling and evangelism. I'd just become a Christian. Louis Palau preached in my church in Dundee. Louis Palau, as far as I know, remained consistent and faithful to the end. And at a time when we, we, we mourn Christian personalities and leaders who've fallen away, I'm so thankful for Louis Palau. He, we actually had a conversation a couple, more, well, more than a couple of months ago, a few months ago, um, and I was just greatly encouraged with and taken by him. And by the time you get this, he may be dead. He's been taken into a hospice, but he won't be dead. He will be with the Lord. Well, hey, it's me. I'm finally going to get my vaccine. I'm so excited. Uh, another great character. This is a bit of sort of good news. Is of course Dolly Parton. Vaccine, 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 vaccine. I'm begging of you, please don't hesitate. Vaccine, 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 vaccine. Cause once you're dead, then that's a bit too late. <laughs> I know I'm trying to be funny now. I, I love that. She helped fund the Moderna vaccine because she donated over a million dollars to the Vanderbilt University Medical Center to do that. Good for Dolly. So I just want to say to all of you cowards out there, don't be such a chicken squat. Get out there and get shot. Live from the CBS Bay Area studios, this is KPIX 5 News. The legendary Bay Area poet who helped launch the Beat Movement has died. Lawrence Ferlinghetti was 101 years old. The City Lights bookstore he founded became an essential meeting place for the Beats and other Bohemians in the 1950s and beyond. In 1956, he published Allen Ginsberg's Howl and was arrested for it the following Lawrence Ferlinghetti. Now, I would like to have played part of his thing from the band's final concert. But it was a blasphemous parody of the Lord's Prayer, and I don't think it was clever. And Ferengeti is a, is a poet. You know, there's a lot of good things about him, but, you know, his, his poem, Someone During Eternity, some sometime during eternity, some guys show up, and one of them who shows up real late is a kind of carpenter from some square-type place like Galilee, and he starts wailing and claiming he is hip. 
I'm sorry, but that is blasphemy. And I really hope Ferengedi became really radical and became a Christian before he died. Or he will answer for that, not, not to the state, but to God. And it's just so wrong. I mean, Jesus didn't claim to be hip. Ironically, Ferlinghetti claims to be hip. How cool is that? Maybe he was the first of the beat poets. Anyway, he's died aged 101. His book, A Coney Island of the Mind, is one of the best-selling poetry books ever. It's a shame, you know, there are people who are extraordinarily gifted and yet don't use their gifts for good. All right, I hope that wasn't offensive to you because if it was or if anything on here has been offensive to you, if I've ever been offensive to you, I do apologise. And also because I, I just don't want to be arrested when I go back to the UK. I just, I get an extraordinary, I'll put it on the, on the, on the blog, just an extraordinary photograph of Merseyside police creating a billboard and showing the force crest on a rainbow flag, of course and saying that being offensive is an offence. But, as Lord Justice Sedley said in a landmark case in 1999, free speech includes not only the inoffensive, but the irritating, the contentious, the eccentric, the heretical, the unwelcome, and the provocative, like, for example, Ferenghetti, providing it does not tend to provoke violence. Freedom only to speak inoffensively is not worth having. Not according to the police, who have since apologised, Superintendent Martin Earle, Apologise for any confusion may it may have caused. He clarified that being offensive is not in itself an offence. Which is good because I found the police message offensive and therefore should they arrest themselves? Alright, enough of this. You know, I'm going to go back to the cranberries. We're going to go out with the cranberries. Um, how I came across the cranberries was this. I was looking at the K-pop stuff and I just wondered... Um, if there were any songs that weren't K-pop that had over a billion, and of course there are, but The Cranberries Zombies is one of them. And I, I don't know, I just love that. It, it's such an angry song. You know, it's got that bass thumping thing, it's got the drums, it's got just her wonderful voice, it's got those great lyrics. And I think sometimes it is right to be angry. It's right to be angry at all the injustice in the world, the lies, the lies, and everything else that goes on. The confusion, the stupidity, the greed, the selfishness, the materialism, the sin, the sexual abuse, the racism, all of it. Yeah, it's right to be angry. But we look to Christ to redeem and to help us. So I'm going to love you and leave you. We will see you next week. And I hope and pray that God will bless you. And please do. Give me feedback. Let me know other stories, different things you want covered. Uh, otherwise, I shall see you next week. <laughs>